purposely had us sing that this morning, and uh, I was a little rough on my start there, but uh, grab your Bibles and turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, I... Um, I am intentional in what I am preaching this morning, and I was intentional with the song, I'm intentional with the message. Uh, last Monday, we had the vote of the church, and uh, Pastor and I were both uh, very grateful and very amazed at a unanimous vote, and uh, just the unity and Pastor and I have worked together. I've been, I've been in this church, a part of this church, since 1988 my family came. Uh, I'm no stranger to here. Uh, the only time I haven't been here is basically is the three years that I was down at Florida and down in school, and I came home. I mean, I think we graduated, uh, and then Monday I left. Uh, I mean, I didn't even stay a week. Uh, I, stayed, I stayed the weekend through and heard the preaching on the last messages, and Monday morning we packed out and left. That was what I wanted to do. I didn't want to stay. And uh, I came home, and, and I've worked in the church. I've helped as much as I could. And uh, ten years, ten years, uh, I've been Pastor Legault's associate. And uh, moving forward, and just the timing and the way that the Lord has kind of laid it out, and... Uh, you know, I, I have told him for years, just 10 more years, just 10 more years, preacher, you're good, just keep going, 10 more years. Uh, of late, I cut it down a little bit to five, you know. I could see he wanted to slow down, but I just wanted to keep pushing him a little farther. Um, and uh, I want to put some people at ease maybe this morning that maybe think, well, he's going to make big changes. I have no big changes to make. Um, I just, I don't. I don't have any real huge, major, sweeping anything. I mean, outside of having Brother Andrew get a drum set up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He knows if I do that, he's going to drum on my head. That's what he's going to do. That's what he said. Um, and he should. Amen. Um, but I want you to notice something here in Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12. Apostle Paul is encouraging, he's finishing up his second le um, letter to the, uh, his young man Timothy that he's raised in, in the faith ultimately. And he says in verse number 12, Yea, and all that will, will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and he purposely tells him, hey, uh, the world out there, the evil men, they're going to get worse. 
All right, tribulation is going nowhere. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Uh, trouble is still going to be there. Wicked men are still going to be there. Other people aren't going to stand, and they're not going to do what they're supposed to do. And then, but he says, but you continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. And the church has been, since 1980, the church has been running and some things have changed and Pastor Christian started some things and Pastor Legault continued certain things and uh, we built upon and he's built upon that and the Lord has worked and the Lord has moved and we're stepping into this next spot. And I want you to know, all we got to do is continue. Uh, we may do some tweaking and we may change some things and we'll see some growth. I hope, Lord willing, we'll see growth and we'll see things moving forward and we'll see a vision and we'll keep moving toward the vision and what God can do. But certain things don't change. We just continue doing. See, uh, the world has got this idea and religion got this idea that you can go ahead and if we just make enough changes and compromises that we'll gain what we want to gain and we'll gain all these things. Uh, some of the teenagers know, and now they're, some of them are young adults now, uh, no longer in youth group. The uh, first time we went up to uh, camp over at Harvest Bound Camp with Maranatha and Central Baptist and uh, the churches up there, uh, the first time we met, we're meeting in an old holiness camp. And you get into the holiness camp and, uh, you know, you go, oh, what are you doing there? It's just the buildings we use, all right? Praise the Lord. Uh, and we go in and we're singing hymns and we're preaching. And, I mean, it's real preaching. They're opening a Bible and they're preaching just like I'm preaching this morning, just like we've done for weeks and weeks and weeks and years. And they're doing the same thing, getting up and just preaching the Bible and preaching the Bible. And these old, these old timers... These guys who are in their, you know, their late 70s into their 80s, guys that have seen uh, those old Methodists and Presbyterians that heard the gospel preached and heard the music that we sang and had all those things, and they've all, they, they're standing in the back with like 300 kids in the room watching that first year we went there at that, at that, uh, at that place, uh, 23, I think it was 23 kids came to the Savior that week. And those old timers, you know what they said? They said, they keep telling us this doesn't work. And they brought in the rock music and they brought in this and they brought in that and they compromised on all their things. And they said, they, can't, they say this doesn't work, you can't get anybody in anymore. They said, it seems to be working fine for us. That's the biggest event that happens on that campground all year is our team camp that we go to. The biggest event. Say, what happened? They can compromise all they want to. You know what they'll get? They'll get worldly Christianity who doesn't have any, any real zeal or any real appeal or, any, or anything else. It'll get, it won't bring anybody that's real. They'll go ahead and they'll be fleshly, carnal Christians and they'll show up when they want to show up and they'll be the way that they want to be and they'll stay the way they want to stay because they haven't learned how they ought to behave themselves in the house of God. Come on Wednesday night, you'll hear more about that. And... They, they haven't figured it out. And they're fleshly and they're carnal and all those things because they refuse to learn and to do things a certain way. And I want you to know this morning, uh, let's just continue what we've learned. Let's continue what we've learned. You say, what have we learned? We've learned quite a bit, and I obviously will not cover all the details of what we have learned because we will not be leaving ever if I did that. And so instead, I'm just going to give you some highlights of some things, why we do and what we do. 
and we do certain things. And the reason we do them is because we've learned them from the scriptures how we're, all, how we're supposed to do it. And we've learned and we've been assured that that's the way we do it and that's why we do it and here it is. And so let's continue in some things this morning. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get, we'll get right into the message. Father, I thank you for today and your goodness and your mercies upon us. How wonderful it is to have a God that wants to be near and not far. A God that is attainable to get to and Father wants to meet with us and wants to speak with us. And Father, someone who uh, Father wants to reason and be a reasonable God. And Lord, you're reasonable to us. You've been able to make it so that we have a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray if someone has come in today without the Savior or is listening to this, Father, online or something like that, where they would hear and they would trust and believe that Jesus Christ is the payment for all of their sins and they trust Him alone. But Father, those of us who are saved, the church here at Emmanuel, I pray that you would help this to be a great encouragement that we would continue and we'd press on because the trumpet's going to sound here soon and Father, I don't know how quickly it'll be, but you do. You've got your timetable. You've got it all squared away. And Father, all we have to do is just keep going until we hear trumpets sound and things will be done. Lord, I pray you'd give us the courage and the boldness and the strength and the grace to be able to do so. Father, we love you and we pray you'd come back in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would turn over to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Uh, continue. He wants us to continue. And this isn't a... Isn't a you know, amazing thought process of a message here, all right? This is simple, simple stuff. And we just need to continue. I, we find out, you know, you watch, you watch teams, you know, playing in sports or whatever, whether you're a baseball fan or a football fan or a hockey fan, or whatever it is, you know, you play sports and, and you watch sports, you have that. You know, what do they tell people all the time? Uh, you got to work on the basics, Keep the basics. Keep practicing the basics. Uh, professional basketball players doing shooting drills. Think, why are they doing shooting drills? Don't they know how to shoot a basketball by now? They've been doing this. They're a professional. Baseball players get, get batting practice and fielding practice. And football players are running, are running all their plays over and over again. And they're practicing and they're practicing and they're practicing. What are they doing? They're practicing the basics. When we forget the basics, you know what we have? We have terrible mechanics for the rest of what we do. And we'll fail. And so this is some basics. And we're going to continue because if you don't continue in the basics, you know what you won't have? You won't have a good foundation to carry on what you need to do and to grow and go forth. And so the first thing I want you to see here in in chapter 2 and verse number 1, Paul says, Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjugation, or by subjection, Uh, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. He says, uh, you know what he had? He had this problem, and the problem was, and you can read the rest of the passage if you want to, you can cross-reference it back over to Acts, but it was that circumcision and the law and pieces of those things were getting put into the idea of salvation. 
The apostles were trying to hang on to these things and the Jews and the Gentiles being separate and the idea that it's one church and one body in Jesus Christ and that works were not part of it uh, that Paul is introducing. And he had to come and he had to explain to them, hey, look, we got Gentiles and you're trying to separate us out and it's one church and one body and one strength in Christ and that's who we are. And he had to come in and he reasoned privately with them. He didn't want to do it out in public. He took care of the problem behind closed doors. Amen. Good way to do it. And he shows up and he says, hey, uh, Peter, we got a problem. Peter, James, and John show up later in the passage. Uh, what were they doing? Uh, they, hey, guys, we aren't doing this right. The, the, we got a problem. And one of the things was circumcision. And Titus was not compelled to be circumcised. Why? Because circumcision availeth nothing. Didn't avail anything. Not for salvation. You say, what do we need to continue? We need to continue to preach the gospel. We need to just keep putting out the gospel. What is that? The death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That He can go ahead and save to the uttermost all them that will call upon Him. The fact that Jesus Christ gave His life a ransom for many and died for the sins of the whole world. Paul gets up there in Acts chapter 26 and he's standing there in front of King Agrippa and he goes ahead and starts giving his testimony about how Jesus Christ appeared to him in the way on, on the way to Damascus and shined the light down from heaven and that he spoke with him and told him. And you know what, you know what Paul says to King Agrippa? He says, uh, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. All he did was continue on to this day to keep preaching the same message he's preached since the day Jesus Christ showed down from him and told him the truth and gave him the gospel. And you don't have to worry about all those other things. You say, what do we got to do? Just keep preaching the gospel. Just keep giving out the gospel. Grab those gospel tracts out there. Keep grabbing them and giving them out and handing them to people and talking to people and going ahead and being a witness and putting the gospel out. Uh, we need to continue to do what? To see souls saved and lives changed because of what Jesus Christ can do. There's no reason to quit that. We continue to do that. We learned how to do that. And we ought to keep learning new ways and better ways. Brother Netterville, Lord willing, he's going to come in again. We, him and I were just talking a little while ago. Uh, he'd love to come back in. Either way, we're doing more Bible handouts this year. Brother James and I are scheduling them up. We want to do more Bible handouts. We want to be out on the streets. We want to be out door knocking with Brother, uh, Brother Thomas. We're setting some things up there. We want to be going out to do what? Not just personally, but corporately go out and have a great witness before a lost world because the gospel needs to be preached. And if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that believe not. Why lest the light of the glorious gospel should appear unto them? We need to let it appear. We need to show a world that a Savior is coming to a world and He wants to save to the uttermost all them that will call upon Him. Anybody, whosoever will, let Him come, take a drink of the water of life freely. We ought to be able to put the gospel out over and over and over again and find ways to do it and maybe new ways and maybe different ways and maybe sometimes we'll come up and we'll try something and you go, boy, I don't know if that's going to work. And you know what my answer will be? I don't know if it's going to work either, but we're going to try it and see if we'll do something so we can shake some things up. Say, so do what? Just to find out maybe that'll help somebody come to the Savior. Man, when we tried that Bible handout last year, I thought, I have no idea how this is going to work. No, I, I don't know how this is going to work. Uh, but seven people are sure happy their sins are forgiven forever for one, just one little day. Seven people called upon Christ in two days. Because why? Because you decided to go out and try and be a witness and just give them the gospel. Just give the gospel. I don't know how many people over the last year in this church have come to the Savior. We've got quite a few 
that came to the Savior in the last year in this church, whether they're still here or whether not, uh, either way, they're going to heaven because we were putting out the gospel. You say, well, they didn't stick around and they, didn't, they aren't part of the church right now. Okay, maybe not, but uh, they're going to heaven. And they may not be here today, but you may find out that maybe in another year or two they'll figure out, boy, I ought to be in church. I ought to be around those folks. I ought to be in the place where Jesus Christ, I finally got to meet Him. Our gospel. Don't quit giving out the gospel. Things haven't changed. (laughs) Continue to what? Just keep putting out the gospel. Keep telling lost sinners that there's a Savior. Just keep telling them, hey, there's a Savior. You don't have to stay the way that you are. Evil men and and seducers, they're going to wax worse and worse. We already know that. Hey, tribulation's going to come. And yeah, but if I live godly. Yeah, if you live godly, you're going to suffer persecution. Go be a testimony anyways. Be a good witness of Jesus Christ. Look over at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. What should we continue? Well, we should continue preaching the gospel. John chapter 15. You know the spot, but uh, I can't read I won't read all of this. Um, but he's talking about He's talking about being part of the branch and the vine, right, in, in the first part of the chapter. And you get down to verse number 8, and he says this. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I have commanded you. He says, hey, uh, how about you? How about this? How about you continue in the love of Jesus Christ? This is a church that is known to be a praying church. We'll get to that here shortly. Uh, But it's known to be a church where if you're hurting, you can call. And you can get some help. People who want to reach and and want to restore and want to be a blessing and want to be a help and want to be an encouragement. Uh, This is a church where we're known more as a family than we are as just a social club. Uh, This place, uh, you can ask plenty of people in this room, this place is more of a family than than their own biological family. Uh, they've been here uh, at this church, and you know what they've found? They've found that the love of Christ shows up. And you know what You know what I want you to do? I want you to continue to love. Continue to love. Uh, well, I don't like so-and-so, and i got a problem. Then we need to let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And you need to get forgiving one another. Well, you don't know what they've done. You've done more to Christ than they've done to you. Jesus Christ is wounded in the house of his friends. That's us. Folks, we're saved, we're in here. You're my friends if you do whatsoever I have commanded you. Okay, I was wounded in the house of my friends. That's me. That's me. I wounded my Savior after he saved me. And I've wounded him far more times than anybody in this room's ever wounded me. I've wounded him more times than anybody outside this room has wounded me. Well, I just can't forgive. Yeah, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So what do we need? We need a love 
that transcends just the idea of you and I loving each other and, you know, oh, well, you know, yeah, I love them, you know, but I don't really like them and they can stay over there because I, I get it. There's people we're not going to, it's not like you're going to be best friends with everybody in the room. I get it. All right. But boy, if somebody were to call you and say, hey, brother, I just, I just don't know what to do. You want to give me, can you give me some help? Well, I don't really like them. You couldn't give them some help. That's the way it ought to be. Well, let me help you. Let me do what I can. Let brotherly love continue. (laughs) That's what he tells us. Continuing to love one another. The love of Christ constraineth us. Not only does our love of Christ constrain us there in Corinthians, it constrains us to be a witness to a lost world. It ought to be constraining us to be a good love our brethren and to be good at loving one another even as God for Christ's sake. Loves you right here in the passage. He commands us to love one another. But he also expects us. There's a certain family bond that shows up. And there's no greater fights than family fights. Amen. (laughs) Oh, we're going to have some disagreements. Of course you're going to have disagreements. You're a family. There's always going to be problems in the family. What family doesn't have fights a while and an argument every once in a while and people disagreeing and the kids can't get along and that happens happens in every family in this room might have happened this morning but we won't talk about that right a little squabble on the way to church and everybody gets out and first person you see you shake their hand and they say how's it going you say great yeah it's wonderful i just got done yelling at everybody in the car on my way here but you know it's great it's fantastic yeah wonderful better better than it ever could be yes whoo Why? Because there's always squabbles in the family. But the love continues. That's the way it's supposed to be. You get it fixed and it's done and it's over with and it's in the past and you can go ahead and move forward and still be a family. You still love and you can still work together and you can still take care of the things that need to be. You say, what, what do you expect? I expect love to continue. I expect the love of Christ to continue. When the missionary comes in and uh, we go ahead and take up that offering... I tell you what, this is one of the most giving churches I've ever seen. It just is. You all give, and you give. And I know it's not not me and Pastor. Uh, You know, I know he's independently wealthy and all, you know. I mean, we understand it. I don't know who it is in here. I don't know what happened back there. Um, Oh. I don't know of anybody in this room that's independently wealthy is putting a thousand dollars in the plate every time it comes. I don't know anybody like that. But somehow we get offerings to missionaries and we take care of. We gave out, if you weren't here, uh, on Monday night, we gave out this past year over a hundred thousand dollars to missionaries. So what is that? That's your love. That's the love of Christ reaching out and going, I see somebody who needs something and they may not be inside this building as part of our family, but they're part of our family. And we say, hey, I'll, I'll help them out. I, let the love of Christ continue. Reach out and continue. Continue to reach in love. Continue to exhort somebody in love. Continue to speak the truth in love. Because that's what we need. It needs to be a place where someone who feels unloved everywhere else shows up here and they find the love of Christ is here. 
Christ loves to love the unlovable. It's just what he does. Those uncomely things, he goes ahead and says, I'll love that. Why? That the excellency might be of God and not of us. That's what he does. The love of Christ ought to continue. Look over at Acts chapter 15. I'm trying not to belabor these long because I do want to get them all in. I don't have seven though, so um, be a little quicker than my New Year's message. Uh, Acts chapter 15. I'm going to get one verse out of there. Um, Verse number 35. You notice they're gathering it at Antioch and so on and Silas is going to stay and all those things Uh, and he says in verse number 35 Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch what were they doing there teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also Uh, I say what's what's going to keep going Uh, we're going to continue preaching and teaching the word of God we're going to continue teaching and preaching. We've got some men in this church that still want to preach. Uh, gentlemen, I forgot to mention this. Uh, if you want to be on the preaching schedule, we're going to have a non-real schedule. But if you want to be part of that, let me know. Come and let me know if you want to still be a part of that. Uh, it's going to be a little different. I'll explain it to you in person. Uh, but if you want to be a part of that, let me know, and uh, we'll work some things out. But uh, preaching and teaching the Word. You know what has, isn't going to change? Preaching and teaching the Bible. Uh, It's still going to be the Bible, it's still going to be taught, it's still going to be the Scriptures, it's still going to be opening the pages of a Bible and Scripture with Scripture, and opening the pages and looking at what God had to say about what we're talking about. And learning them, and learning them, and learning them. He goes ahead and uh, he lets you know in uh, John chapter 8 and verse 31, he tells those disciples, he says, Continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Uh, continue in the Word of God. Uh, continue to learn and to study and to teach and to preach it and to grow and to get the doctrines right and get all the pieces in order because good and sound doctrine is what keeps things in order. It's the doctrines that keep things in order. Well, I don't really like talking about, you know the newfangled churches, you know those mega churches, you know what they don't like? They don't like doctrine. Well, doctrine divides and we got to all stand together. No, doctrine makes it so you understand where you're supposed to stand so that you actually will stand in an evil day. When evil men wax worse and worse and all the problems come and the tribulation comes and the ungodly men come, you know what you have? You have men who will stand on the truth of the Word of God that tells you exactly how you're supposed to believe and exactly how you're supposed to do it and exactly what things are. Instead of changing the truth of God into a lie so that you can go ahead and do whatever you want to do like they do in Romans. What's going to change? I'll tell you, the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God is not changing. The doctrines of this church aren't changing. We're not moving off any of those things. And if you'd like to move off of those things, you can feel free and move out. Because it's not going to change here. We've learned and we've been assured of, and we were assured of it by the Scriptures. The Word of God giving us an an exact line of where we're supposed to stand. That's how it works. 
Say, well, uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm going to try and convince everybody that I'm right. Don't try that. Number one, don't try that. And number two, then you're a wolf in sheep's clothing. And you're a deceiver. And the Lord's going to deal with some great, some great troubles that you'll be accountable for. You go ahead and start messing with people in, in a church that believe and trust and work through the words of God, and then you go ahead and try and undermine and okay, feel, feel free to have God judge you. And He'll destroy it. And you'll be, you'll be in a whole mess. Look over at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul tells Timothy in verse number 12, familiar verse, he says this, I'll let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity till I come. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by, the, by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy prophet may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. He says, uh, Timothy, all that teaching and preaching and doctrine that you've gotten, all the things that you know how to live and what to do, uh, all the things you know about reading your Bible and studying your Bible and going ahead and learning and trying to live a righteous life and trying to do it right, you know where you found all that? You found all that in the pages of a Bible because somebody stood up and told you the truth out of a Bible. So continue. Continue. The teaching and the preaching and the doctrine continue. They don't slow down. There's no reason to change those things. You say, well, that book is old and it needs to be updated. No, you just need to study a little bit. And figure out that the pages of that book are pure and clean. Say, is that going to change? That's not going to change. It's not going to change. The King James Bible is the Bible. And it is it. It's perfect and it's pure and it's righteous and it's good and it's clean and there's no other word like it. It is it. That's why everybody else compares to it. That's why everybody else takes shots at it. I find it amazing that an NIV and, uh, and an ESV won't argue about each other which one's better, but they will go against the King James Bible. Say, so what are they trying to do? They're trying to eliminate the greatest book that's ever been. You say, is it better than the Greek and the Hebrew? Yes, it is. If you'd like to disagree with me, feel free. I'll talk to you in my office. I have no problem. You say, is it superior? Absolutely. It is the book. It is the very words of God on paper in English for you and I. And it is perfect. You say, is that going to change? No, because as soon as that changes, your doctrines can change. 
As soon as doctrines change, your stand changes, the teaching changes, the preaching changes. You say, what, what do you find? I find in a church that doesn't have a King James Bible, the preaching is often weak. There's virtually no depth. You learned more this morning in Sunday school, one Sunday school, than they learn in an entire month in most churches. So that sounds like an exaggeration. Okay. You could think that. But there's a reason that when you, you leave this place, you go somewhere else and you go and visit. <laughs> it's not quite the same normally. And that's not, that's not because Pastor Legault and I or anybody else that gets up are, are any special. It's because there's a book that is very special and dear to me. It's because God has reached down and he's given us the truth. And where a word of a king is, there's power. And when you're holding on to the pages of a Bible, you don't have to worry about whether or not I'm giving you the truth. I don't have to worry about what I'm saying is true or not. Well, where's the confidence come from? doesn't come from me. I am not that smart. I am not that good. I am not, I am not that thought out and well-planned and amazing. I'm not. But God goes ahead and takes the foolish things to confound the wise and the weak things, and he takes the base things and the things that you know, men would just cast away. And he says, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll take those things, and I'll confound everybody. Well, he's young, and he doesn't know. Okay, well, let no man despise thy youth. He looked at Timothy, and he said, hey, you're a young man, but don't let anybody despise your youth. You go ahead and keep doing what you do and stand on the doctrine you've been taught. And take heed to what you know to be true and stand there. And you don't have to worry about what anybody thinks of your youth. You don't have to worry about what anybody thinks of what you've done or not done. You don't have to worry. You and I are on the same page, so don't worry about it. Timothy, go ahead and you just keep giving attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Don't neglect what you've been given and go ahead and stand and continue to do what you're supposed to do. Teach it, preach it, believe it. Look over to Acts chapter 1. So what are we going to continue to do? We're going to continue to give out the gospel. We're going to continue to preach the gospel. We're going to continue to love uh, the love of Christ. We're going to continue to have that love one for another. We're going to continue teaching, preaching the doctrine of the Bible. In Acts chapter 1, he says in verse number 13, And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. You know what we're going to do? We're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to pray. Uh, we're not shutting down Sunday, Sunday night services. We're not skipping off on Sunday school. And we're not getting rid of prayer time <laughs> on Wednesday. We're not getting rid of it. Uh, churches all over the place, you know what they've done? Uh, well, you know, people aren't coming out, so we're just going to shut down Sunday night. Well, people aren't coming out. We're going to shut down Wednesday. Okay, pretty soon you're going to shut down on Sunday altogether. 
So what do you do? You leave the doors open, you keep doing what you're supposed to do, and maybe somebody else will get on board and figure out what's right. You keep preaching and teaching, you know what you'll find? You'll find prayer. Prayer. Prayer is a priority. Prayer is a priority. So what's the most important service we have during the week? Is it Sunday morning? I don't think so. I love that you're here, don't get me wrong. Be here. But being able to pray together and come in with one accord and one mind and one heart, having a desire that is fixed upon the prayers and the needs of the people in the church and what's happening in the church, having one accord in prayer, that's the most important service of the week. It is not surprising to me that the least attended service normally in a church is a Wednesday night service. And the end, well, you know, we're busy, we work, and we, do, and I get that. I worked. I, some, I worked 12 hour days. I worked 12 hours on a Wednesday, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., drive straight to here. So, well, you were the pastor. I wasn't the pastor when I was doing that. You get out of work. Well, I didn't really, I didn't really get to eat. Okay. Fast and pray. They enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. All right? I get it. You go, well, I, don't, I don't really want to do that. Okay. Well, then I know what you want. You don't want to continue. You don't want to continue in prayer. You ought to continue in prayer. Prayer is the thing that moves the hand of God. Say, why have we grown? Why is this church here? Why is this building even standing? I'll tell you why this building right here is. Because of prayer. There is no reason we should have this building. Earthly means equals we shouldn't have it. There is no reason the mortgage payment, if, if I did my math right, by the way, in less than five years, this building will be paid for. If we continue making the payments that we make, and it should be less than that because uh, the way that I looked at it was, we put in this year, uh, but the truth is that number is exponentially larger every time going to the principal because of how much interest gets knocked down. You say, what are we going to do? We have, we've only been in this building for 10, 10, 12 years. Is it 12 years now? Uh, we've been in this building for 12 years. In less than 20 years, building is going to be paid off. That's unbelievable. Who does that? The power of God by prayer. It's, no, it's nothing great that we did. The excellency might be of God and not of us. It's His excellency. He's great. He's amazing. Say, what gets Him to work? The effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Because of who they come to. The effectual fervent prayer. Effectual prayer means they have an effect. <laughs> if you're praying about something... That you can fix? Why didn't you just fix it? It's kind of like, uh, well, Lord, I know you gave me, I know you gave me, you know, this thousand dollars, and I had this thousand dollar thing I had to pay for over here. Uh, should I do that? Well, no, I gave you thousand dollars. Go pay what you needed to pay. That's why I gave it to you, right? He does those things, and then we. So just fix it. It's the things we can't fix. 
And we understand, Lord, give me wisdom. Don't get me wrong. I know that was a foolish little you know, joke thing right there. But the truth is, Lord, I don't know what to do. I need your wisdom. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your provision. I need whatever it is you need. And you come to him because you don't have it. He hadn't provided it yet. And you come to him and you say, what makes the effect? The effect is that you came to him and he's the one who makes the effect. He's the one who changes. He's effectual. Your prayer is effectual because it moves the hand of God to do something in the situation you're dealing with. That's why he tells you to continue in prayer. I won't have you turn there, but Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 2, he says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I, I am also in bonds. Paul says we got to continue in prayer. We pray one for another, but we continue in prayer so that we all will have boldness and an ability to have utterance to give out the gospel, to preach the truth, to be able to love one another, to be able to reach and to be able to take care of the needs that need to be done in a world that needs a Savior. You and I reaching together and working together. And part of the thing that keeps us greatly together is prayer. It's prayer. We pray for one another because without prayer, you and I could be very well sunk. If it's not for the mercies of God, we'd all be consumed. Well, how did I recover from the sickness and the illness? Because of the prayers of the saints. Working and moving the hand of God. Had Moses not intervened on a mountain, God would have destroyed the nation of Israel as it stood and replaced him with just Moses and made him great. Well, my prayers don't do much. Maybe you ought to get close to him so they do. Continue in prayer. Don't give up on prayer. Continue in prayer. Acts chapter 13, lastly. We're just going to continue. There's the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I didn't see any of these things were broken. I think we ought to just keep doing them. Just keep doing. Acts number, uh, Acts 13, verse uh, 43. He says, Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. We need to continue in the grace of God. Now some people, they, they immediately they hear grace and they just they go salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Part of the gospel. That God is gracious to us and that he would grant to us salvation for all of eternity. He's merciful because he doesn't bring judgment, but he's gracious to us. In giving us eternal life. He doesn't bring the judgment, but He's gracious to us and gives us the things we don't deserve at salvation. 
And that's true. There's saving grace. You find that all over in the, in the New Testament, especially of greatness. But you realize that God doesn't want to just give you grace for salvation. There's grace that is all-sufficient grace. Paul makes the statement in Corinthians that his grace is sufficient for me for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now I can't do all of this justice this morning and so I'm just going to give you some highlights of some thoughts on the God and eventually you'll probably hear some messages out of this idea. But the truth of God's grace is that yes, there's grace for salvation. Of course there is. There's grace to save because otherwise you and I, we don't merit uh, grace is the unmerited favor of God. Him being gracious to us. Him giving us things we don't really deserve. And God is gracious to us because it's salvation. He gave us eternal life. That's the saving grace of God. But you realize that you and I could not serve Jesus Christ in our own power and in our own strength. And so He gives us His grace that we could serve Him. He gives us the gift of grace to serve Him. You and I wouldn't... What, you realize it is a gift and a privilege to do anything for the God of the universe? People oftentimes look at it as, well, it's a chore and it's a task and it's a... No, it's a gift that you could do anything to serve the Creator of the universe. It amazes me how when you look at God and you think about who He is, that you and I could have any relationship and be in servant, a servant and a friend to the God of the universe. That's a humbling thought. And without the grace of God, you and I would not be able to do that. How do you serve him in and of yourself? What glory does he get from you without him being involved to give it so that you can give it back? That's his grace. His grace makes it possible that you and I have an opportunity to serve Him or to do anything for Him. I already mentioned the verses there in Corinthians uh, where his, uh, we have grace for strength in our tribulations. How many times have we been pressed above measure, above strength, in so much that we despair even of life? How many times do we get into the position where you and I are getting crushed and pressed, and everything seems awful, and it's too much pressure, and it's too much, and we can't handle it. Hey, I want this thing out of my life because it's too much for me. And the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. I'm just letting you know you're weak, so that when you're weak, I'm strong, and you can trust in my strength instead of yours. You know, it's gracious that God will give us His strength in times of our weaknesses. So what do we need to do? Continue that, to remember that it's His grace and His mercies and His strength that we can rely upon because He's the one. He's the one. Continue in His grace. Not that I've made myself great, not that you're great, not that anybody in this room is great, but Jesus Christ is. And He gives us the grace to be able to go ahead and continue to serve Him, to continue to get through the trials and the tribulations that we come to. He also gives us grace to be sanctified in all of our, tribula in all of our temptations. Realize that you and I go through our temptation, and the moment of our temptation, you know what we have? We have the grace to give us a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. We don't have to go into it. We don't have to finish. We don't have to get into that place where we're stuck in our, in our sin again and we're bound and holding again with the cords of our sins. He freed us from that for our salvation, but He also made it possible so you and I don't have to live that way. 
It's because of His grace that you and I can go ahead and get victory over our temptations. Not only that, I'm going to end with this. He gives us grace to be able to stand in an evil day. Say, well, how does how, how am I? I mean, look around at a world. Take a real look at the world. You know what you find? This world is so abundantly wicked. The thought processes the world has today, if you can think like that, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea how they can think the way that they think. How anybody could try and figure out how in the world the world thinks, I have no clue. I have no idea. The way that their logic works is completely illogical. And we look at it, and you, it, the only explanation is that it's absolutely just evil. It's the wickedness of men that have continued to wax worse and worse, and God has given them over and given them over and given them up to a reprobate mind. Romans chapter 1 gives you the whole pattern. You say, how do I stand against that? Only through the grace of God. Only through the grace of God will you not get drawn into all those things. Anybody, anybody who's saved can get drawn into anything. What keeps me from doing that? What keeps it so that I can stand when everybody else may fall? Not me. It's not in myself. Say, who is it? It's a great God who's gracious to me. It's a great God who's gracious to you. And he extends again and he says, hey, my grace is sufficient for thee. His grace is always all sufficient. If we'd continue in it. If we continue to rely upon him. Everything that we have right now, you know what we need? We need it to be relied upon through him. So how am I going to continue to give the gospel? Only through the grace of God. How, how can I love like Christ loves to all these other people? Only through the grace of God. Well, how can I, how can I you know, be able to sit under the teaching and the preaching and the doctrine? And how can I go ahead and only by the grace of God? How can I pray and be there and want to pray and go ahead and have a good prayer? Only by the grace of God. So what do we need to do? We need to continue in this grace also. Continue. We sang about it just a little bit ago. Press on. Press on. That song starts, we... Seems like every other day we see someone step away from the paths of righteousness and truth. But we must keep pressing on till our fight down here is won. There's a crown of life awaiting you. We're in a fight. We're in a fight. But we need to continue. We need to continue because there's a finish line coming soon. Press on, heaven's not that far away. Press on to the everlasting land of endless day. Press on.
through the power of God's amazing grace. The time is drawing nigh to bid this world goodbye. Very soon we'll see our Savior face to face. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to sing an invitation hymn here in just a moment. I know this message was to particularly to our church. I was being very particular for them. But I did mention the gospel. I did mention what Jesus Christ has done. And maybe you're in here this morning and you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible makes it very plain that the price of your sin is a place called the lake of fire. It is the condemnation for men who have sinned and never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And God has done everything He needs to to make sure you don't have to go. You don't have to spend eternity there. The Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that your sins are forgiven and you can have eternal life because of what God says in the Bible. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, in a moment we're going to sing and I'm going to ask you to come and get my attention and let me know, hey, I've never accepted Christ. I'd like to know. I'd like to know how to do that. I'd like to know. If there's a possibility my sins could be forgiven forever, I'd like to know how. And we'll have somebody take a Bible and show you out of the Bible how you can know that your sins are forgiven forever. And that heaven is your home forever. You can know that today. Jesus Christ wants to save to the uttermost. He wants to. Say, who stops him? Just you. Just you. It's up to you whether you'll come. It's up to you whether you'll trust him. Christian, you're in here. You're part of Emmanuel especially. My plan is to continue. By the grace of God, my plan is to continue what we've learned and continue to build upon what we know and what we do. I want the ministries to expand. I want the church to grow. I want us to go forward. But we'll only do that if we continue in the basics by the grace of a holy God. I hope you're with me. Father, I thank you for the morning. I thank you for your goodness and your mercies upon us. Lord, I pray if someone here has never trusted Christ, they'd have the courage to step forward and get my attention and come so that we can show them the truth of the Savior. We pray you continue to speak to hearts. We love you. We pray you would come back soon for us. But until then, I pray you'd help us to stand and continue to stand in an evil day. I pray you'd get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Andrew.